Howdy on fuckers. We got a lot cooking today, so let's get after it. First off, we have a pronunciation correction from Ireland, responding to our conversation about one of our favorite actors. So here goes. Hi guys, just listened to show notes and I thought I'd um, send you a voice message. Don't mean to step on your toes or anything, uh, just the uh, pronunciation of that actress's name is Sersha. Sersha, not uh, Sorsha. I think you were going Sorsha which is the way that really posh people in Ireland would say, like Sorsha Ronan. No, it's Sersha. Anyway, have a good weekend. Bye. Thank you for that, Bobby McDee. Now, just a reminder, we're in the beginning stages of our fall trifecta razor. Looking to raise some friends, some funds, and some hell. Let's start with hell. We're going all in on two candidates for office, Summer Lee for the House 12th in Pennsylvania, and Mandela Barnes for Senate in the great state of Wisconsin. Even though we're New Yorkers, Wisco is our adopted home state. All hail Nettie. McFlashman's rules. Knudsen for vice president. Go Packers! No, wait, that's too far. Never mind. Fuck that. And if you haven't already done so, please read their respective social media profiles. We'll link them in show notes and drop them a message. State your name, your rank, and your business. For example... Dear Summer Lee... 99 here. I'm a New York based on fucker and I'm here for you. Hashtag UNFTR. So you can do whatever you want, but that's just a little sample of what we think you should be sending them to let them know that unfuckers have their backs. Now, we're going to try to interview them and we've sent out notices to their press offices. However, it is highly unlikely that someone running for office who's looking to keep a good reputation is going to respond to a podcast called Unfucking the Republic. So just putting the notice out there that we're going to do an episode on these candidates. But highly unlikely, in my honest opinion, IMHO for the kids out there, that they're going to respond to us directly. Maybe if we start getting some progressive unfuckers to, you know, take a bite and come on the show. I mean, they go on other fucked up shows like but I think you have to be in office. I don't think that anybody's going to take the risk to talk to us because who the fuck are these people? And they've got fucking the title and they can't make any missteps. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's 2022. We all say fuck for the most part. For the most part. I feel like it's okay. I feel like Fetterman would come on. Be like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Joe Fetterman's Biden can this. say this is a big fucking deal into a hot mic. Hey. <laughs> then I think they can. Not a hot mic, just the mic. Well, it's technically <laughs> hot <laughs> by definition. Oh, Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe, man. Sleepy Joe. Uncle Sleepy Joe doing some interesting stuff. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember the board game Don't Wake Daddy? What? It was a board game where you're supposed to like move along the. I think it kind of had like a Candyland like squares kind of shape, and you're supposed to do things without waking Daddy. And in the middle of the the thing was like a plastic bed with a spring in it, and like if you woke Daddy, he would like spring up. And yell at you. I feel like that title just so would not fly these days. Of course not. But we need to make like a don't wake Sleepy Joe (laughs) where it's like pass HR1 for the people. (laughs) And like you can do stuff and then try not to wake him. Yeah. And and he wakes up. Hey. (laughs) I I think this is something. Could be. It could be. He He's doing so. I got it. I don't know. I feel like I'm having an out of body experience, but he's doing so many like rational good things right now. There's so many more that are, are pissing me off, but I don't know, he's checking a lot of boxes. We okay. gotta I think we should unfuck that. Alright. 
right? Sure. After the midterms. Okay. Like, okay. Anyway, so uh, just remember, when you're supporting our candidates, our adopted candidates, remember to steer clear of the trolls. Don't give them any ammunition. And once you're connected to our candidates, just try to share posts from them. Encourage your friends to sign on in support of these candidates as well. And like I said, we'll do longer profiles on them both soon so everybody can feel comfortable that we've got the right people. 99 showing me a... That looks vaguely familiar. Showing me a picture of Don't Wake Daddy. The bed is the whole board. That's an insane... Well, anyway. I think you have to hit a little, like, thing every time you move a space. Hmm. I like that daddy wears a like a fucking what is that what kind of? He looks like Burger King, <laughs> from a distance. I don't know what he looks like. Oh no, but... he's got like the uh, the Uncle Charlie. Who's that? From uh, Willy Wonka, like the old sleep caps. Oh, on. Grandpa. Grandpa. Grandpa Joe. Right. Everybody's uncle now. Charlie Grandpa is Joe. the child. Charlie's the child. <laughs> See, I'm not a big fan. You can tell. How dare you? <laughs> All right, now listen. Speaking of fundraisers, we've added seven new members to the show since we last spoke. So we are slowly but surely marching towards our year-end goal of 420 members. We'll be thanking them toward the end, but I want to recognize them up top for heeding our call and helping us build this out. We are in this for the long haul, if you are. Although I can tell you, just doing the math, if we averaged seven a week, we're not going to reach our goal by the end of the year, and that's okay. If we average 10 a week, then we might. Just saying. And fuckers can also support the show by going to UNFTR and shopping for our native roasted coffee in partnership with native coffee traders on the Puspatuck Reservation. Or purchase our merch like hats and t-shirts and tank tops and soon to be definitely some more fall appropriate wear. I guess I'm oh, committing a, myself yeah, to. Yeah, we need hoodies and shit, beanies. right? Beanies and hoodies. Yeah. We got bucket hats. We need bucket hats and beanies. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, 99. All of the artist unfuckers in the world, by the way, who've been filling out our form at unftr.com slash artist, I just want to thank you. In the coming weeks, we're going to reach out to all of you to see if you're able to assist us in a project that is starting to come together in the background. More on that later. And if you are an artist, especially a graphic artist, there is still time to fill out the form and let us know who you are and what you do. And lastly, of course, we're in the market for new friends. And in that spirit... Let's start off by welcoming Jenny D, a newbie on fucker who comes to us courtesy of Stephen J. Welcome to UNFTR, Jenny. For you and all the other newbie fuckers, if you're on Facebook and would like to hang with other like-minded unfuckers, our Wisco buddy Knudsen has curated an impressive group over at Unfuckers et al. That's Unfuckers E-T-A-L to clear up any confusion. The community is really growing nicely and, you know, we do eavesdrop from time to time and or daily, and check out what's going on over there. And there is some funny shit and some poignant shit and all that good stuff. And uh, great recommendations for other pods as well. Uh, there's collaborations on movements. There's there's just a whole bunch going on over there. I think Knutson shut it down for a minute the other day in fear that maybe we were reported mistakenly and there were troll activity, whatever it was. But uh, it looks like everything's cleared up. Everything's back and rolling nicely. So if you want to join the conversation, join them over there. Speaking of Jenny D and Stephen J, let's start with Stephen's comment, who emailed in by saying, quote, I found the BlackRock episode to be really informative and thought-provoking. I would be really interested to see something similar done on the Koch brothers and Koch industry. And then referenced uh, Christopher Leonard's Cokeland, The Secret History of Koch Industries and Corporate Power in America, and Jenny D followed up as the newbie and said, I'm a new listener, referred by Stephen J. 
Recently listened to the last episode of your healthcare series and your latest episode about BlackRock, which I hadn't heard of, but fuck capitalism regardless. I would say that uh, Jenny's got the hang of this already. Not only do I enjoy the many interesting points you talk about, but I also enjoy the amusing sound bites. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to more episodes. Well, we look forward to having you listen to those episodes, Jenny, and hopefully you can work your way through our back catalog and find some things that are interesting to you. As far as Stephen Jay is concerned and the Koch brothers reference, we have mentioned them quite a few times. We, of course, reference often reference Dark Money by Jane Mayer, which is really the first big public outing of the Koch brothers and their holdings and their interests and all of their manipulation through think tanks and funding of dark money groups and, and what have you. And a full unfucking on the Kochs, one brother's dead, by the way. We have to make sure to say that every time because it's just a Koch brother, but he still fucks around in honor of his dead brother as well. Rest in peace, whichever one that was. I can never remember. I think it was Charles, right? Old Chucky die. Uncle Charlie. Uncle Charlie die? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so maybe we'll do a full on fucking. I think when we get around to doing the biggest assholes in American history, they're certainly going to have a prominent spot. So we'll get there. Whether we do a full episode just on them, I'm not sure because we've found so much other fuckery. Oh, you know what it is? If you go to our Libertarians part one and part two, I think we cover them a good amount in there, but we also cover the cohorts surrounding them, like the Coors family, the DeVos family, and all the people that were kind of pulling the oars around the same time. It's almost like they they decided to divide and conquer the world, and they each had their own lane. So somebody was going to fuck the legal profession, somebody was going to fuck academia, somebody was going to buy all the politicians, and somebody was going to take down the media. It's amazing how coordinated, advertently or inadvertently, I don't know, but the whole thing seemed to be coordinated. So go check out that Libertarian series because I think we unearthed a lot of them there. Yeah, it's not possible with the current website structure, but if we ever, you know, migrated Substack to our website, we mm. could have a search functionality. Oh, that's a good idea. People could search, you know, the Cock Brothers, as Bobby McDee said. Yes, so, the Cocks. Yeah. Um, so are you suggesting that we're going to migrate away from Substack at some point? I don't know. I mean, a lot of problematic stuff on Substack. Maybe we should just separate, right? I mean, there's problematic stuff on our website, too. <laughs> Is there? Yeah. Many faces. Oh, he's yeah. so problematic. Yeah. That's um, true. I told you I was acquitted. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, would it make sense if we can give the unfuckers more power? I never thought about it before today, so. Really? <laughs> well, let's move on. We'll, we'll put a pin in that. As okay, will do. So our friend Cringy. Hey! I know, we missed him. So Crin said, I've begun taking you, 99, you being Max, Hi. you, 99, many faces, and Tom McGee for granted. I listen to you almost every other day, and when each episode is over, I say to myself, another brilliant excursus, thoroughly researched and entertainingly presented, accomplishing the best of Horace's dictum to delight and instruct. I don't know what any of that means. Uh, he's too smart for Just us. Just hear Horace's dictum. <laughs> um, and then and then Crin says, uh, I should also tell you that I began listening to your Saturday shows twice. I highly recommend this to my fellow unfuckers. Much of what you say goes by quickly, and although I'm never bored, I do feel I need to go back and make sure that I get it all. It's always worth the effort. Thanks for the downloads. Yeah. Yeah, dig that. I have to listen to them like three times sometimes. I have to write them over and over and over. <laughs> and then I have to listen to myself say them. It's it's awful. A friend of the show that we were speaking with recently 
said, uh, one of the brilliant parts about this podcast is knowing that so many of our listeners are smarter than us. <laughs> and it's so fucking true. I love it. And and the way I responded to that was, I feel like our job is to really drive the middle lane to translate things into every person speak and make things accessible and approachable. And sometimes when I when I feel like I'm I'm just so clever for making connections and you know the synapses are firing and I feel like I'm in a good rhythm, we'll get a response from a listener who's like really knowledgeable about that one thing that we were writing about. And they sort of reveal themselves just for the moment and they'll send something in that is just so powerful and so brilliant. And then we have some like, you know, Crin, for example, that can seemingly comment on everything that we do. So, I mean, just we have such such a next level audience. It it just it humbles me. So anyway, now we got Hrund J who said, hello, thank you for your podcast. It is taking me. Is Hrund on uh, Facebook? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I am actively trying to figure out how to properly say their name. Is that what it is? I don't know. It's taken me a long time and a weird artistic curiosity, critical thinking, and a will to know more about humans and why we are here and so fucked. And now I understand. I love how you make things understandable with natural humor and a lovely warm voice. Thank you. And it's a beautiful collaboration. It is indeed. I love collaborating with my colleagues. Can I say real quick, I turned on a podcast that people said that uh, I was trying to listen to Behind the Bastards, which I don't listen to. Not for any bad reason. I just like haven't. I get sucked into their series sometimes and then I'll disappear for months. Yeah. So I was like, oh, like, you know, well, so. (laughs) <laughs> tangent I dropped my phone in the toilet when I was trying to look for centipedes and we were gonna get there believe me I so well I'm I'm here now and I had uh my roommate tell my friend that also about that like hey let him know I'm not dead uh my phone's just dead and he said was it the centipedes did she drop in the toilet and you oh fucking said it too I know and it was. It was. Yeah. I was like. So 99 was looking for centipedes <sighs> in the toilet. I need to protect. I need to protect, you know, Horace's dictum. <laughs> can we Can we talk about what, what happened? What happened next? I had to take it out of the toilet. It, fish it, it out. was clean water in okay. fairness. I mean, clean as, as clean as a toilet can be. It was no, fresh. But I, okay. So, but where did you, where did you put it? On the counter. And then I cleaned it off. On the counter, on some tissue paper, or on no, the... it was like two a.m. I just mm-hmm. had to, I had to go, you know, rough and dirty. Okay. So, and, uh, does your roommate know that you got toilet water all over the counter? And <laughs> well, then just I walked into the bathroom yesterday, and there was a fucking coffee ring on the counter. And I was like, "Were you drinking coffee in the bathroom?" <laughs> Do you not drink coffee in the bathroom? No. Really? No. I saw this great meme online because I'm old. And I mean, that's where people see memes. Is it we don't, on, like, on the internet? Print them out. You don't? <laughs> well, I don't even know if this is a meme. It's it's one of those maybe uh, giffies or jiffies, right? Okay. And it's of a hippopotamus just sort of like floating around in a circle. Okay. And it said, your poop waiting to go down the drain while you keep scrolling. <laughs> and I laughed. I laughed out loud. I'm glad. And I thought that was really funny. That is funny. Yeah. Wait, so I know I was, I had a story I was telling and I'm, I'm forgetting now. Your butt centipede? Yeah. But why, why did I say? Because the other person... You asked you the same thing that I did. No, but then even before that, I was there was something related to something. Oh, Rund. so I no, I lost 
my podcasts, like they, <sighs> for some reason, weren't attached to my account. Like, it, oh my God. Yeah. So I had to re-download everything. But then I realized also I use Pocket Cast and I didn't know you can have folders and look how neat they are now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I have like the ones I listen to every Wait, day. Wait, that's the app I use, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. I have to do that. Yeah, it's amazing. So I put like a need to listen folder because I was like, I've had these downloaded. So I listened to Behind the Bastards. Okay. And the fact that people said that you sounded like him, mm -hmm. I don't, he sounds like Patton Oswalt. He does. And he doesn't look like his voice. Nobody looks like their voice, but it's so funny, like putting that together. Like when you finally like Google somebody and be like, all right, who is this guy anyway? I don't know what he looks like. He's a big deal. I know. This guy's really accomplished. There was an, a woman on the podcast who they did not introduce. And I said, who is this? Just Is there <laughs> That's like- That's so frustrating. I know. It was, I was, listen, Robert Evans, if you're, if you're listening to this, introduce your whatever she is. He introduced the guest. Then I just heard this third voice and I was like, who the fuck is this? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah. He absolutely. Oh, okay. Oh, this is not, this is not what I expected. <laughs> no? No. It just doesn't look like what you, what you're, what right? You, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, do you think that people, uh. Well, we know what people think we look like. We got that really dystopian <laughs> fan art. Yeah. It's still one of my favorite things. Who sent that in? Uh, Do you remember? I, we did this already, right? I'm not sure off the top of my head. It was so good. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. So let's continue with Brian. Yes. Yeah, sorry for that <laughs> diversion. Never be sorry. So Brian said, Just love you. it wasn't about Matilda. <laughs> what do you mean? What? Continue, Brian. <laughs> love you guys and love this Some show. Some other fucking 80s movie that nobody saw. Matilda wasn't from the 80s and you love Matilda. Atonement was from the early 2000s, like 2007. Oh, my dark period. That's right. Madeline was from like 1999. We were in the studio for six hours before we turned the microphones on talking about uh, Eurotrip, <laughs> by the way, right? Yeah. Eurotrip. Euro mm -hmm. Also from my dark period. It's a good movie. It's definitely problematic. Is They're it? Our brother and sister who make out. What? Because they took too much absinthe. So like Angelina Jolie and her brother? Did they do that? They did back in the day. Oh. It's very problematic. No, it's like they were just really drunk and didn't realize it was each other. And then the next day, their best friend keeps going, you made out with your sister, it's man. horrible. Yeah, it's disgusting. Anyway, it's deeply uncomfortable. Why won't you just get on with it? Brian emailed. You keep cross-talking and what? Manny's going to yell at us. I know. This is great. Wait, let's just start talking so Manny has to no, figure no, it out. We're and keep just, talking. No, come on. You could do this, right? What do you mean? What are you talking about? Okay, Brian said, love you guys and love the show. I got when we do this. through listening to the BlackRock yeah, episode, and it was awesome, as always. The other day. He well, one part like, talking the of the misconception the that they affect housing like. got me wondering if you guys considered a potential episode on Airbnb. I don't get paid enough for this shit. I hate you. I hate you. I feel like this is like a round, you know, like <laughs> row, row, row your boat. <laughs> row, row, row. Okay. I stopped, so Sorry. that's not really a round. All right, what did Brian say? Yes, Brian said, love you guys and love the show. I just got through listening to the BlackRock episode and it was awesome as always. One part, talking of the misconception that they affect housing, got me wondering if you guys considered a potential episode on Airbnb. Brian continues, I'm of the very strong belief that the true supply constraints on housing aren't because we didn't build enough. In most markets, some hot migration markets, this is true, but because people are buying them up as Airbnb investments and artificially constraining the supply. All right. So Brian actually did. Brian didn't just send that in as some sort of belief. And I'm saving a lot of the details later because I do, believe it or not, save details from listener feedback when they're episodes of interest to us. And I want to look into them 
and verify the some of the claims that he makes here. Not saying that they're outrageous claims. He's done some actual hard research on this, and I find it fascinating. So I want to thank him for, first of all, sending that in, also doing some of the work and sharing it with us. And we'll dig further into it to see if we can flesh out a full episode on this. I, I imagine that a full episode on on the housing shortage and the housing crisis is in in perfect order for us. I think that's right in our wheelhouse and that this will play a certain role. So thank you for sending that in. Uh, again, brilliant as always. Best listeners ever. Now we got some general feedback. Gerardo or Gerardo B said, how about a topical cream on railroad workers? We're getting little to no news coverage. I don't know when this was sent in, but I felt like there was actually a healthy amount of news coverage on this. Maybe because, I don't know, the Amtrak strike was so prominent here in the Northeast because it was such a big deal, because Biden finally got involved, because, listen, there are collective actions happening all around the country. So I'm not sure that I want to do a topical cream as much as I want to just expound upon our labor union episode to do something on union actions and strikes specifically. Chris Hedges put out a good piece about that the other day, and um, I don't know, it sort of inspired some thought. I don't think any of these actions get enough coverage, but whatever coverage it gets is always bigger than the actual movements themselves. I was just talking to somebody about this recently, how I think New York State is still, don't quote me on this, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 or 18 percent union membership because we have such big service and healthcare unions here, uh, and education especially. But the rest of the country might have dipped below double digits for the first time, especially if you take New York out of the equation. So in New York and California, you still have pretty strong labor representation, which is why, despite the high cost of living, there are a lot of middle to upper middle class families that can still afford to live here. But the rest of the country just does not have that type of representation. So very interesting to see the small gains being made at Starbucks, the gains that Christian Smalls was able to make with Amazon, certainly the railroads pushing their their power and their pressure. We saw strikes, nurses' strikes in healthcare. If you artificially constrict the number of people coming into the country and your birth rates are down and you kill a couple of million... There's a lot of people coming into the country. They're all going to Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> that's, a, that's a story for another unfucking... If our birth rates are down and declining and our mortality rates are down because we killed over a million people in the pandemic, you're going to have a labor shortage. And if you have a labor shortage, then you are going to put power in the hands of workers to demand more. And Republicans are dealing with this very poorly right now. They're just not. People are now hip to this. Like they get it, right? They, they, they understand why this is happening. And they understand that the border isn't the problem. Most rational people understand that the border is not the problem. But they keep pressing the same fucking agenda. And all of these hijinks from DeSantis and Abbott hijinks. Are, are making it worse, I think, for Republicans. I think they're being exposed. And I don't think they're having the effect that they desire. What do you think? I, I don't know enough to comment. When you say your mortality rates are down, aren't they technically up? Is mortality more- rates are up. Yeah. Yeah. I think you said down the other day, too. I think you're right, too. And I was like doing the math in my head. I was like, our expectancy has declined because mortality rates are up. Uh, 
Yeah. Right. Just just clarifying. No, thank you. Because I was confused in my head. Words matter. But yeah, I don't I honestly I mean it looks bad. <laughs> so busting a bunch of people, fucking making them walk, people who don't necessarily speak English with no help. I mean, I feel like undeniably that's a human rights violation. I don't really know what it's doing in the background politically. I don't know what their agendas are, but so that's all I can just speak to it from a that's really sad and that fucking sucks and it's rude and these are people. That's what right. I can say. Well, see, I don't it's funny because I don't I, I think they they don't calculate past the stunt. Like they don't think they don't ask themselves like, well, and and what then? Right? Sending busloads to Kamala Harris Kamala Harris's house. I mean, that's just fucking disgusting and weird and it's going to make a lot of your base happy, but you're not losing that base anyway and I think I do think that there are some, I don't know, Republicans that own giant farming businesses, Republicans that own fucking restaurant chains and it's a do- rely it's on a double seasonal standard. workers. It's a double and- standard. They might hire p- undocumented people, but still say like, well, they shouldn't be here, but it's, it's helping them. But you know, it's okay helping, for me, but not but you. When it, so when it comes to the, to the ballot box, right, when it comes to actually voting, I, I think that there are some rational business owning Republicans and small business owning Republicans that actually rely on. Well, you teach me now, I can't say certain words anymore, and then I and then my fucking uh, old brain gets stuck. Slave labor, and slave wages. People? I'm not going to say enslaved people. Well, they're labor. not enslaved, so that's why I'm slave conf- wages. Slave wages. I, I, what am I supposed to say there? You're the fucking language police. Help me out here. You're the, saying Republicans rely- that rely on. Paying people the below the cost of living. Yeah, it just doesn't. That's not mean enough. I don't. I don't know that slave wages is quote unquote bad. I just know we're not really supposed to say slaves because it's like the identity and person first. Correct. So, I would just say bad pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course they're oh I poverty mean, wages. It's all poverty sure, wages. Yeah, right. Even below poverty. Below poverty wages. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure, I mean, everything's a spectrum, so there will be Republicans who are loose on migration and Republicans who are staunch on migration, Republicans who are staunch on migration but use undocumented workers or even documented immigrants to, you know, staff their places. I guess if we're looking at the base, you, the base is going to love all this shit because they love the stunts and they love the the chum that's thrown in the water and fine. I think that Trump got away with this stuff because he was so other. He was such an outlier to everything and anything that we'd ever experienced that the unexpected became the expected. And doing a stunt like this, he would have somehow weaseled his way into looking like, you know, to 50% of the country, like, you know, he was doing something important and and smart, you know, with his bigly brain. Hmm. Whereas I think that guys like Abbott and DeSantis just look like petty assholes doing it because they're not other. Yeah. They just look like throwback fucking pricks, you know, from another era. Speaking of um, the big T, <laughs> did you see what he said about the Queen's funeral? <laughs> no. What did he say? <laughs> they sat, he said that he wouldn't have been sat in the back like Biden would. He said he would have gotten a better seat. Holy it's like, shit. It's a funeral. It's not the premiere of the Avengers. Honestly, he's the best at being the worst. He really is the best. <laughs> I get it. I can't wait till he's president again. Yeah. So much to talk about. Trump 2024. Ooh. Ugh. I don't even want to. I, I hope Spotify flags that. I hope someone flags us for saying that even ironically. 
they won't. <laughs> they don't care. Nope. Okay, well, moving on to Ray W., who I'm going to pretend is Ray Wise, who plays Leland on Twin Peaks. Let's so, do it. Ray Wise said, I think it's important to remember that Medicare Advantage... Oh, this is... Uh, sorry, this is about show notes, episode 72, and we had a discussion about market efficiency. So Ray said, I think it's important to remember that Medicare Advantage was pitched as a way to provide better insurance than Medicare at the same cost by introducing, quote, market efficiency. Ever since its introduction, the insurance companies that provide disadvantaged plans have mm -hmm. lobbied for and received more and more money to provide the service they claim they would provide at the same cost. Remember the money that the ACA was going to, quote, steal from Medicare? That was a reduction in the growth of the additional money going to private companies providing Medicare Advantage plans, money they claimed they wouldn't need. We didn't dig far enough into the different parts of Medicare, and I think that that was a miss on my part when we were getting into uh, the the coverage episode and the healthcare uh, second part of the healthcare series. So thank you for elucidating this. I think it's a, a really important point, and and it's the danger going forward of any sort of privatization effort on social security funds and having sort of voucher accounts and all that kind of stuff when you put these things into the market and then say, and we're going to apply market efficiencies to it. You're going to, when we eventually get to the PBM episode, you'd be shocked at how this, you know, this middleman in the center of prescription drugs has contributed so much. First of all, they have anti-competitive practices and they have contributed so much to the cost of prescription drugs. It's absolutely astounding. Anytime we try to influence these type of government programs by incentivizing free market companies to get involved in administering them, these free market companies, again, they have one motive and that's profit. So obviously they're going to be looking to pick and pull anywhere they can from whatever money and whatever pool of money is available. Interestingly, in our episode coming up this week, we're going to make a similar case about broadband. That's all I'll say about it for right now. But there's Anytime the free market gets involved and privatization is a piece of the larger puzzle, it's inevitably going to lead to the consumer getting less because that surplus piece of profit that the government isn't concerned about and they don't want you to pay is the entire motive for creating operational efficiency in the middle. So anyway, great point, Ray W., and thank you for, thank you for writing in. And now... The captain rode in. Captain rode in with fighting words. Good God, Max. Have you ever had a worse take? I've had some bad takes, right? Have you ever had a worse take than Tombstone is the greatest Western? I almost concluded that sentiment when we were talking about it last week with fight me. And I'm glad because I'm confident the captain could kick my ass. Anyway, hands down by a country mile is the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then you slander my man Powers Booth, rest in power, when after Val Kilmer, he has the most memorable and quotable character in the film for shame. What, 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 what quotable? Captain? What, what does he say in the movie? You know, oh, don't mind, Ike. He's just drunk. That's all. I mean, every line is overacted. In every movie that Powers Booth ever did, but especially in Tombstone. I mean, the guy laughs on all his dialogue with that laugh that nobody ever uses. 
Nobody laughs like that. But he'll say something, anything in the movie. I can't even remember his other lines, Captain. That's how unmemorable the lines were. I just remember, he ain't drunk. He just drunk. <laughs> Who laughs like that? It's not a real laugh. I search for Powers Booth tombstone quotes. And the first one just says brackets and flips a card. <laughs> There's mm. no words here. There you go. Something in wine is truth. Do what you do. In vino veritas. The Jew Appella may believe it, not I. What is the, These don't what is, ring a bell at all. I don't know all. what any of this means. Oh my goodness. Curly Bill Brocious. Yes, Curly Bill. That's right. I guess he says, Wyatt Earp, huh? I heard of you. <laughs> wow, what a memorable Shut line, up, Captain. Ike. Um, well, bye. <laughs> you first. <laughs> Looks like we win. <laughs> all right, so Captain... Obviously, I'm not going to pick a fight with a guy that has a band, like a, like an entire band, because I imagine you guys all roll together. And in case we ever find ourselves down your way, then I, I, not, I, I certainly don't. I'm not going to stand in the middle of the street and draw at high noon with you. That's for sure. Not over this. That's the noise. And then the, this is a cat doing it. Yeah. And then the the. Uh, yeah. And then tumbleweeds. So the good, the bad and the ugly. I'm just, I, it's like, you know, it's like going back and being like, well, Citizen Kane's the best movie ever made. Yeah. At the time with those resources, totally mind blowing. I don't know. Is it better than There Will Be Blood? Is it a better movie? I Googled famous Westerns and the first one that comes up is Tombstone. And the next one is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Are you serious? Yeah. On drama Westerns. On drama, well, drama Westerns. There you go. Popular Westerns. This looks like a TV show, so. Is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood considered a Western? These don't look real. That's weird. The Mandalorian? I don't think so. <laughs> Let's see. Listen, the good, the bad, and the ugly is considered, I think, the the best classic Western. What about Butch and Cassidy? I'll give you that. Eh, I mean, fun. Fun, right? What about True Grit? It's John Wayne. Fuck John. We don't talk about John Wayne in this podcast. We don't talk about John Wayne. No, no. Don't talk about 2010? Oh, True Grit? Isn't that a remake of a John Wayne film? I told, I've never seen a Western. No. This is saying that Avatar is a sci-fi Western. I'd like to have a word with Google. <laughs> it's like Google. Listen, we'll put this behind us. Captain, I don't want this to come in between us. If we want to have a... Which one had a bigger impact on the genre conversation? And is the defining film of the genre I'll give it to you what is more watchable McClintock I don't know that one why is he spanking a girl on the cover I don't know that's why I showed it to you lord but if we want to talk about what is the eminently more watchable memorable fun scene stealing raucous good time movie it's Tombstone it's Tombstone bro I mean it is what it is right this guy's going to kick my ass, isn't he? I googled westerns for women to see if there was like something really sexist and funny, but they're what just Was that Sharon Stone? They're just giving me movie, right? women in westerns. What was that Sharon Stone western? That was like totally underrated. I don't know. Here I'm, I'm getting Jane Got a Gun, Cat Blue, Johnny Guitar, mm. The Quick and the Dead, 40 Guns, The Furies, Meek's Cutoff, Bad Girls, Banditas. That looks like a porno. I don't know, man. All right, let's move on. Are you sure? Yep. All right, let's go over to social media. 
Yeah, so Dan G shared some fun fan art. Sure did. And it's a mm. uh, composite of 99 and Max from Get Smart, a little headshot of Tom, and uh, Manny Face's uh, action figure with our logo. It's very cute. Thank you for doing that, Dan. <laughs> Tom looks like such a little baby there. I know. He's so cute. I know. Adorable. Adorable. Yeah. A little robot Manny. <laughs> <laughs> Down in the corner where we keep him. I've had enough of this. <laughs> Uh, and then over on Twitter, Knudsen, Heath D. B. Uh, Heath is, is contributing a lot lately. I love that. Yeah. Heath's a, a, a great voice on the show here. People are heeding your call. Heath D., B-Tree Monkey, Roger S., Brian M., Jen S., Shirley G. are all raising hell and raising friends over on Twitter. Thank you for doing the good work there. We appreciate it. It's B.T. Tree Monkey. B.T. Tree Monkey. Yeah, you said it wrong. Just what did I say? B-T. B-T. Munchy, monkey Tree? Monty? <laughs> What's it? I think you said BT monkey. I think this is when you're supposed to rush over and recognize I'm having a stroke. <laughs> right? um, Isn't that what they do with like on-air personalities? I'm just going to let it happen. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> thanks for that. Oh, jeez. All right. So that's it. We actually got through things pretty quickly today. Maybe it's because BlackRock fell flat. I don't think – I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. I don't think it's that it falls flat. I think when we have an episode that's more conceptual – and not that not conceptual in a way of like, like there's no call to action in it. There's no yeah, and it's more fuck like this flag raising kind of thing. Yeah, it's like the Prager episode kind of where it's like here's this bad thing that's happening. Be aware, keep an eye out. There's nothing to say really because like like our healthcare episode, everyone has to deal with healthcare. So we had right. probably the most feedback we've ever had. Yeah, the Clinton episode. I mean. Most of our listeners were alive during the Clinton administration, I'd say statistically. So mm-hmm. they have at least anecdotal experience. So those are the two in recent history that have had that flood of feedback and why our show notes were two hours long. Yeah. But I think with Blackstone, Black I mean, we Rock. got, oh shit. Look what you did. Wow. I think with Blackstone Rock, uh, we we had plenty of people writing in just being like, great episode, like, loved it. You know, which we get every week, which I don't necessarily always include. It's great to hear the feedback and it makes yeah. us happy. But, like, right, we, we did that a lot at the, the beginning. An and yeah, and I think it made us, you know, it was a little gratuitous to just read great episode. And we got that feedback from people as well. But, but yeah, I mean, the what if is anyone going to gonna say? Right. And if I had to, I guess, encapsulate the takeaway from that that it wouldn't even, I guess, warrant a response. It's just that, holy shit, $10 trillion. And 21, if you just count Aladdin from everybody else's perspective and, and yeah. being able to work on that platform, understanding the just the sheer magnitude of control that a company like that has. We are going to touch on them as a follow-up in the episode coming up, and it's only briefly, but in the episode coming up this weekend, we're going to touch on them. And, and what's what's occurring to me about the Libertarian series, about America Inc., the Conscious Capitalism episode, now the episode we have coming out this week, the BlackRock episode, is understanding what we mean or what modern, I guess, political theorists like the, the Chomskys or the Hedges of the World mean when they talk about our corporate masters, mm-hmm. when they talk about the oligarchy. Because I always sort of winced at those phrases because it felt so ethereal. It felt so kind of out of touch. And it was like, oh, look at me. I'm so fucking smart, right? And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about we're slaves to our corporate masters. Enslaved and the, people. <laughs> enslaved people to the corporate masters and the oligarchy. These were phrases that they used over and over again. 
And yet, once you really dig into it, like they have, you want, you begin to understand that that is what we have. This is a true oligarchy. And the levers of control in this country are not in the hands of the government. They're actually not. They're in the hands of the, the corporate lobbyists and the major corporations. And looking at a company like BlackRock, to me, was just a good highlight. And we're going to do that in our Enabler series. We're going to pluck one out to just demonstrate what we mean when we say oligarchy, what we mean when we say we've re they've given them all the control. And so if we want to take it back, the only mechanism available to us is through political means to take their money out of the influence. I always keep circling back to the same, like everybody said, if you if you wave a wand, what's the one thing that you would change? I'm, I'm not dissuaded from where I was when we even started the show that if one thing changed in our political system that would give us a fighting chance to save the planet, to ameliorate poverty, at least, you know, to the level that we possibly could, it would be to get corporate money out of politics and to change the cycle of our elections. Meaning like you wouldn't be able to just spend money for fucking two and a half years before an election. Dark money packs wouldn't be a thing. You wouldn't be overwhelming a congressional district. It's one of the reasons that I'm a fan of Summer Lee. Summer Lee battled back against a dark money, a couple of dark money packs that came into her small, small congressional district to fuck up her primary. I mean, if that's not evidence that we should get A, money out of politics, and B, she's a fucking amazing candidate and we have to carry her through to vicar victory, I don't know what is. To vic you want to make her a vicar? <laughs> she needs to be a vicar, at least a deacon. Yeah. I think that in we should do a March Madness for our enablers and do a bracket. Mm. So we can have like Larry, we can have Dennis Prager, we can have Doug Coe, we can have the surviving Koch brother. We can have who else is bad and up there. Oh, uh, living or dead? I think living because they have to be making okay. it like, I mean, unless they, unless. siblings? Eric Prince, Betsy DeVos? I wouldn't, I mean, I think that's giving them too much credit. Well, Eric Prince for sure. Okay. Yeah. Like these people who have, you know, if we really went down the, uh, the string board route of conspiracy to yep. connect them all, like let's have them battle it out in our March Madness bracket, which I don't know how it would work. I think it'd be great. And figure out who is the ultimate. There's got to be software out there that we can, right? Just yeah, probably. Plug a widget from yeah. somewhere and plug it in. We have to figure out what the parameters are, though, because right. like the unfuckers will need to kind of vote. Right. Okay. Yeah, and then people can have like side pools and hustles that we have nothing to do with. Yeah, that's right? fine. That's you guys money. can use DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever other fucking sites. We put Turtle Fuck up there, right? I don't know. I guess I'm thinking. Oh, let's stay away from true politicians. Like these are the people okay. who, because oh, okay. then it's like that's yep. a whole different game. Okay. You know, those are people who are actually publicly fucking things up. These are okay. people who are operating in the, the shadowy corners. What, what do you do with Donald Trump? I don't think he's, I don't, because I don't think his his power was as great even before. You know, I mean, he gave money to people and he said shit, but like, he's not, he's not making backroom deals like you hear about in the family. Yeah. Like, when you watch, if you watch, or I mean, uh, you Douglas read it. Douglas dead. I thought, who's the follow-up guy? Well, Chuck Colson. And I he thought died Doug Coe took over for the other guy. He did, and he also died. Oh. Yeah. Okay. For Verity, Abram. Maybe Verity. that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. He died, and then Doug Douglas Coe took over, and he died. Shit. I don't know who the 
titular head of the family is these days. I don't know if maybe they're not. I mean, I'm sure they're still operating, but I'm sure yeah. it's different. Then maybe we can revisit the, the dead or alive thing. What about Joel Osteen? Boy, people are mad at him lately again, huh? I mean, he's, I mean <laughs> when do we stop being mad at him? Let's get rid of all televangelists. Oh, that's so bad. We, let's do a... Just tax him. We'll get Tammy Faye Baker up there if we're doing dead. Just tax him. <laughs> Wait, she's dead, right? So, yeah, so, she's dead. Is, she, is Tammy Faye dead? Or is Jim dead? I think Tammy Faye's dead. Oh. <laughs> did you so. watch the Jessica Chastain movie? Yeah, she's been dead since 2007. Oh. I did not. Good thing. I did not. I think she won for that. Ooh, the Falwells. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, the kids now, right? Yeah. Didn't they get booted out of their own church? The school. Which I think we talked about a yeah, few yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then maybe we do need to revisit Dead or Alive. I don't know. We'll we'll put some thought into it. But okay. did you see my art for this week? Did you like it? I loved it. Yeah? I loved it. I had a different idea, which didn't... I love the bloody surgeon hands from the week prior. I forgot to mention that. I didn't you. know if it was too graphic. No, I thought it was brilliant. Okay. I showed it to my roommate. And I was like, is this too graphic? Nope. She was like, is it real blood? And I was like, I hope not. It's off of Adobe stock. So, oh, wow. I mean, yeah. Okay. I... The, what I was going to do is I was trying to um, put Larry Fink's head on a piggy bank and then have the devil putting money into the piggy bank. But I couldn't pull it off. Okay. It would have taken like much too long. And yeah, I was, Adam is the puppet master instead. Yeah, but it. you know, because he's the devil's banker, so That's putting right. the money into him right. would have been. Even though he's not a banker. Yeah, but that was the title of the episode. I know. No. But so yeah, I did that one instead. Sometimes I get stuck on something. I'm like, it's gonna be that, and fuck it. I think it's fine. I think so too. I think it's catchy, like okay. you said. All right. All right. So let's let's circle all the way back to the beginning with our fundraiser, with the coffee donations. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank none other than Hrund J for please, becoming a member. Please send me a phonetic pronunciation. I'm <laughs> confident your name's not Hrund. Like, and, and if it is, that's fine. I just don't want to. I don't want to butcher. Hrund, Hrund, run, run, Hrund, run. I don't know. I mean, I think there's some sort of Scandinavian. Well, first of all, it's from Iceland. Love you guys as we is do that it in Iceland. In Scandinavia. What's that? Is that in Scandinavia? Is Iceland part of Scandinavia? I don't, know. I don't I always, think it is. I put like the Nordic, like Nordic and Sc like all the, the white blondes, I put them in the same group and I, that's oh. probably racist of me. Probably. But I, I don't know. I'm really bad at geography on fuckers. Please don't tell anybody. This it, is where our Euro fuckers are going to be like, are you fucking kidding me right it's, now? I'm, what is wrong with well, your education I'm system? truly well aware that, We're terrible. yeah, I'm bad at it. I don't even know where all the states are. I know that's awful. I'm oh, no? being serious. We did in eighth grade. I cheated off of Miguel next to me. What? My friend Miguel. I just <gasps> cheated off of him because I don't know why I couldn't. I just, it didn't stick in my brain. And mm. so I don't know where states are. I don't know where countries are. It's okay. I have, I mean, like, I know, like, that we have continents. I'm not like, if, like, a man on the street was like, name the continents, I could do it. Everybody knows all four continents. Come on. Yeah, of That's course. Easy. Uh, you know, Pangea. <laughs> uh, but I don't know where things are. So you please forgive me. I'm not trying to be. I am super bad at Southeast Asia and Central America, the order of the countries in Central America. And the order? What do you mean? Like if like when you look at those, I know all the Central American countries, but if you showed me a map, you'd be like, well, which one's which? I can't do it. I just can't, I can't fucking even do, do that it. with America. <laughs> I'm serious. This is the states I know. Texas. No, don't. don't Florida. Don't, don't do it. New York. <laughs> California. I hope Maine. Rhode Island. Because it's like so small. Little. So little. Yeah. The square one is 
something. All right, I'm gonna Hawaii move up. and Alaska. <laughs> you got them all. I know. You did it. Yeah. Those are the thirteen colonies. I know. See, it's, you it's know re- stuff. It's really bad. I, I every day I'm you know like what's fucked up about that is you're a visual learner. You're a graphic artist. Like you, you, you see, you learn. I, I'm a mixed learner. I've never actually like had one that that suited me more. Oh, you're an auditory learner, too, right? Yeah, that's why it's like that's I don't, I don't have one that I'm that is my favorite. Well, can I just tell you that Hrunda's from Iceland? <laughs> yes. Okay. Sorry if you're not Scandinavian or Nordic. So you mix ketchup and mayonnaise and a dash of soya, and then you have coctelasosa. Coctelasosa. Fun. You make uh, everything Spanish. Coctelasosa. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, uh, we have a few listeners in, in Iceland, and Iceland is a fucking badass country. I mean, like a super badass country. They it's fucking funny put their Greenland has the ice and Iceland's green. <laughs> they fucking jailed their bankers, like legit. That's fun. They did it. Can we go there after the? I, I really am Take dying. Take me to Europe. To go, well, like we could do Euro trip. That's, it, that's that movie again, right? Yeah. Are you? Were you going to no tell idea. me it wasn't in Europe? I thought you were going to say that. No. You scared me. Sorry. I no. I'm dying to go to Reykjavik. I would love to, especially because big Sense Eight fan here. Oh. That was also a big part of it, and I would like to go in the middle of the winter and uh, and like hang in a hot spring. I was thinking Love Secret that. Life of Walter Mitty. I like that movie. Oh, I it made me deeply emotional. Yes, I really like that movie. And it was movie. so beautiful, and people panned it. Yeah, they hated and the it. The soundtrack was amazing. Unbelievable. Because it was all, was it Secret Rose who did it? I saw it again recently, and I was like, why is this fucking soundtrack? Everything, it's every so song good. that came out of there. Is so memorable and amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Adam it's a really Scott's great movie. in it. Yeah. And I think it's when Ben Stiller. What a dick. He's I know. Plays, it's so funny. So he can play such it. a good dick and such a good funny guy. I know. He. I think that's when Ben Stiller fully was like, yeah, I'm hot now. I'm a silver fox. Yeah. You don't think he's hot? Are, are you talking to me? <laughs> is there anyone else here? There isn't, sadly. No. No. You don't think Ben Stiller as a silver fox is hot? Um, like, I'm not saying heavyweight Ben Stiller was hot. Um, no, I don't. Like, Perkis Power doesn't do it for me. Let me find a good picture. Him with the glasses? I just, I, I feel like he's uh, he's a pretty good actor. He is, actor. but he can also be hot. He's got some range. Look how cute he is I'm here. surprised by that. He's so cute. Okay. It's like when Steve Carell also got hot with his gray hair. Steve Carell, I, I see, is the silver fox. I get that. Yeah. I get that. So I think. I don't think I'm ever going gray, by the way. I don't have any gray hairs either, and I want one. Yeah, I would I would love gray hair. No, my beard is gray, but the, the, the top of my head, not going gray. I don't imagine you gray, I'm thinking. I don't like it. Well, you've met my dad. Yeah. It's me. No, you guys look different. We look exactly the same, except he broke his nose a couple times. Because he's I don't know. Your face shapes me. are different. No, exactly the same. If I show you a picture of him in high school. I want to see it. It's me. I want to see a baby it's picture of you. Ridiculous. Max won't let me see a baby picture because he claims he doesn't have any. I don't really have a lot of but them. But I want to see like a little, like a little baby. It's weird. No, it's not. I must have been ugly. I must have been a fucking ugly baby. I don't man. think so. There's like a picture. My I dad tells me that all old. the time. He's like, Jesus, you were ugly. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah. Okay, now Stinkface also became a member. Welcome, Stinkface. Said, love, love, love the show. We got three loves out of Stinkface. That's nice. Give it a Stinkface. Stephen Jones became a member. 
Thank you for such a wonderful show. I intend to remain a member as long as I can. I look forward to every show. Thank you. And Charles L. became a member. Hi, I'm here. Hey, welcome. And for CDC4, do you think they love the CDC? Maybe. Maybe. Found out about yous from Pod mm. Save the People, and I've been listening for a while. I love the Clinton trilogy. Not Bill, Bill, and almost Hillary, but your pods. <laughs> what is almost Hillary? What does that mean? She almost became the president, so... Bill's first term, Bill's second term. Oh, ha, ha, funny. Which connected a lot of things that I'd sort of thought about and hadn't put together. Tom's the best. Yes. Manny's bester. Yep. Newsbeat's great, too. And True. 99's the bestest. Yes. Max being the least best is no insult when you're surrounded by these fine people. That's true. Wait, what? <laughs> what the fuck? Did you see uh, Cardi... Uh, not Cardi B, sorry. They were talking about Cardi B. Megan the Stallion sat down for an interview with Chelsea and Hillary, and they were, like, painting outside. They were talking about WAP, the song. And, you know, you know WAP, right? Yeah. Um, Did she pull hot sauce out of her Well, no, she purse? was like, I first came aware of you with your song WAP. Jesus. <laughs> and she was like, you know, it's just it's, it, whatever. And then, <sighs> you know, Megan the Stallion was talking about how, like, what they always said, like, yeah, men can talk about their sexuality all they want and fucking girls. Like, why can't we talk about it? And, you know, girl power, whatever. And Chelsea was like, you're so fierce. And I was like, I think that's a microaggression, Chelsea. Jesus but Christ. it was very, it was cringy. That's cringy. Not it's cringy. cringy. Listening about it. Cringy. Not cringe. Not cringy. No, no, of course not. Yeah. Okay. McNamara, JD is now a member. Stoked to be supporting from upcountry Maui. I fucking love your podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. Road trip. I know. See, I, I know where it is. You do. Yeah. See, there you go. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Been to Maui. Maui's amazing. Hey, McNamara, JD. I was on uh, the Divorce Highway, also known as the Road to Hana. I. Never want to do that again. What does that mean? It is a road that they... I Apparently, there's a way to get to the other side of Maui that's like totally normal, but they they tell tourists that it's um it's like all blown out and you can't go on it just because they don't want tourists driving on the other side of it. Oh, fun. So instead, they have this road that twists and turns through the mountains <laughs> and is fucking terrifying. And you cannot take your eyes off the road for a second. Just literally like for tetonic. a second. <laughs> The Taconic is terrifying because everybody's going 400 miles know, an hour and they have 90 so degree sharp. turns oh. and exits. This is just a long, I don't it could be two miles long, except it's just curves. The entire thing is curves on the side of a mountain and it is just fucking terrifying. Anyway, Maui, awesome island. I've always wanted to go, but I don't want to be a colonizer. Like, I don't want to. I know. I know it's not. I, you know. We did steal the kingdom. There's just so much. We've colonized everything, though. I mean, you know. Yeah, but that doesn't make it better. But we're the... <laughs> That's like, well, if everyone else best, is doing it. If you're the best and you've taken everything, it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to go there. Like, we can't feel bad for what our ancestors did. I mean, we own it now. We have it. It's ours. I have white guilt tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not guilty. Sorry. 99, 99 wants kidding, to colonize also. more and kill all the old white men, as we know. Yeah. Kill, kill, kill the white man. My, it's a bait and switch because the world will be better. Did you ever see the movie Midsommar? Somar? No, with Florence Midsommar? Pugh? Yes. I have not. Holy shit. I read the ending though. Oh, what the fuck? I don't really like scary movies. 
I know it's like psychologically scary. Actually, is, no, isn't it more like just scary, scary? It's all of the things. I don't. I, I watched don't it like with it. my with my eldest, and it was a fucking mind. Fuck. I thought your youngest likes scary movies. She does, and that's why it was weird that I watched it with oh. my eldest, and it was and I was it was trippy as fuck. I've seen a limited number of scary movies. I was in the room while people were watching. Uh, the witch, but I'm I like to call it mm. the Vavitch because it's two V's instead of a W. <laughs> so the, I did not like what I saw of the Vavitch. Did not okay. like it. I saw the village. Oh, M M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, Dong? I actually kind of liked that one. Yeah, it was all right. And I saw parts I of Signs. I don't know if you consider that a scary movie, but it was it terrified me as a kid. Signs was intense. I and, love Aliens, but I right. was terrified of Signs. You want to talk about Aliens? Alien and Aliens. I, I wouldn't mean, consider those scary movies, though. Oh, they're fucking That's awesome. sci-fi. Sci-fi horror. I mean, just the best at the, just the best at it. I've never seen them. Amazing. Uh, what other? I saw the children. My under little the one stairs. went to see the. She she watched the black phone without me. I don't know what that is. It's Ethan Hawke's horror movie that came out recently, no. and we made plans for like months well, she's, to see it together. Sorry. And she went to a friend's house and watched oh. it there, and she was afraid to tell me. I saw the box. Do you remember that? I don't. It was a terrible movie where it was like you have to press the button in the box and something bad happens. Oh, God. I I saw the movie with the second Jordan Peele movie. Was it called Us? You, Us, whichever one. That's so funny. You just said that. Go ahead. Be, well, I saw it somewhere. I, I never would have put it on by myself. I have no idea where I watched it, who I saw it with, but I know I saw it. And yeah. It was fucking harrowing. That's okay. So we watched Get Out together. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a terrible we, father. We, not me. Him and his, his and children. my little one. We're just telling Yeah, because I'm a, I'm a terrible father, and she got me into watching horror, and I don't like horror, but I love watching it with her. And we loved it. Amazing. And then we always said, okay, we have to watch us, and we have to watch that together. It's another one where we're like, okay, put it on the put it on the board. We'll, we'll get there. She goes to a friend's house. She texts me this time. She's like, they're watching us tonight. Are you okay if I go ahead and do this without you? I said, no problem. We'll Catch it on the flip side together. If you really like it, maybe we'll rewatch it. Okay. Text me an hour later. Can you come pick me up? <laughs> so I went over and I picked her up and she got into the car. She's like, I'm staying with you tonight. That was the scariest thing I've ever seen. I didn't even finish it. I will ne I cannot watch that without you. And she was totally, mm -hmm. and that is not her, totally freaked out by that movie. It, it must be amazing. It's, I mean, I, I don't think it got... It didn't get the Get Out love. I think because Get Out was like a, so genre. Yeah, it was like and, new. Yeah, yeah, and it had this one's not really genre bending in the same way where it's like subversive. It's just like the concept's creepy. Yeah, and there's a lot of allusions to past horror movies and stuff. And the acting, I mean, um, Lupita Nyong'o is amazing. But like the child. No, she's the mom. The mom. Okay. She's so good. Uh, so you haven't, you still haven't seen it. I haven't. Okay, so I won't spoil the ending. I haven't. Yeah. I've only seen like promo pictures and trailers and yeah. stuff like that. So there was one uh, movie that Mark Duplass directed that had Elizabeth Moss, even though she's a Scientologist, and Ted Danson, and it was one of those like, I like love a that you qualify all your Elizabeth Moss <laughs> statements. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like a you know what a bottle episode is in TV. It's uh, so like an episode where it's the best of the left. <laughs> yes. No. Or it's like it takes place in, let's say, one room. So it's like, or or it's a scenario that is isolated, sort of from the the general plot. Like, I, I can think of Buffy examples, but that's not helpful for you. No, it's not. So it's sort of like a bottle movie because it just takes place. It's these. It's a two. It's two couples, or it's it's one couple rather, and 
That one's like, uh, you should, you guys should watch that. Yeah. I, I think it's called The One I Love. Okay. Yeah. It was Mark Duplass and, and he directed it and maybe wrote it. Oh no. Charlie McDowell directed it. It was written by, wait, did I make up that it's not even, it wasn't even written by Mark Duplass. Wow. I just gave him all this credit. Wow. Why are you making stuff up? Because he's a writer and director. You know the Duplass brothers. I'll show you his face. No? Looks like Jimmy Fallon. I don't know. I got nothing. Oh, he does in this picture. Have you seen Safety Not Guaranteed with Aubrey Plaza where he's building a time machine? No. That one's good. No, but I think I think she's a, a national treasure. I love her. You, Why won't you watch Parks and Rec? I watch clips of it on YouTube. I know, Is that but that's good not enough? enough. I, no. I, well, all right. Well, I'm sorry. We can watch now it together. Now I get served Ron Swanson stuff all the time. Can we watch like, it together? Must... Sure. I don't know when we're going to fit it in, but... Yeah, in our free time, we'll do that. We can have a decompress and watch one after recording sometimes if we have time. Okay. I mean, you're not going to and you won't stick to it, but... That's true, too. But it'd be fun. Yeah. You know what? I I should just tell you right now, it's not going to happen this fall. Paul Rudd's in it. Paul Rudd's in everything. He's so good in it. His name's Bobby Newport. He's also good in everything. Bobby Newport never had a real job in his life. (laughs) It's like they do all these fake political ads... So they're trying to make a, like a slanderous one for him. Mm-hmm. Try to think who else is in it that you love. I mean, you know the main cast. Just watch it. All right. So that was Charles L. No, we did. For CDC. No, you're at Cameron. For CDC, for uh, McNamara JD from Maui. And now we're at Cameron. Been listening since. Best of the Left recommended it and keep coming back. Keep up the great work and making things clear for our overloaded minds. Welcome, Cameron. Good to have you in the fold. An Alaskan ginger fucker <laughs> bought three coffees and became a member. How about that? I love your pod. Entertaining, well-researched, and covering many important topics. Not sure why this has taken me so long to join. Hey, that's okay. Alaskan ginger fucker, you do you. Now we got somebody from Maui and Alaska, and that's two of the seven states that 99 can find on a map. I've been listening for about a year and have enjoyed catching up on all episodes from the beginning. You are an awesome team. Max, 99, Manny Faces, and Tom McGovern. I'm loving that Tom is getting all the credit and the love that he deserves lately. Yeah, and go follow him on all his socials. That helps him the most because he's not in the day-to-day correspondence. Just That's right. The and nature. he's busy. He's always yeah, touring. He's exactly. doing shit. So follow him on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. He's Tom McGovern 27 on Instagram and TikTok. Follow his comedy band, Wolves of Glendale. <laughs> and I think he's got a YouTube. Yes, he does. And he has a fun series going on Instagram and TikTok. 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 I'm a boomer. <laughs> called Good Band Name, Bad Band Name. Yes. Where he just goes through good band names and bad band That's names. That's catching on too, I think. Yeah. And yeah. then he, if he says a band name and he'll be like, and if you think it's wrong, I don't give a toot. And then he got like a metal guy to scream like, I don't give a toot. And he's like doing funny things with nunchucks. So... If that sounds good, watch it. I think isn't that him with the nunchucks? Yeah, he's Dressed doing up, funny right? things with yeah. nunchucks. Oh. I'll I link said them. He got someone. No, okay. he got someone to do the vo- the vocals, the got screaming. Um, let's close it out with Maria from Puerto Rico, who bought seven coffees. Dear Max, thank you for the shout out to our rainforest El Yunque. I love that you've been here several times. I hope you had a wonderful time and come back. Manny Q, half frozen Kate Winslet and Titanic here. Come back. Come back. Come back. It's still cheap, three and a half hours away, and you still don't need a passport from the U.S. mainland. I'm glad we're meeting people, each other, and all the unfuckers here where we are now. We would not have liked each other back in the 80s. You'd probably run us over in your car with the Pave the Rainforest bumper sticker while we marched through it. 
Yunque Rainforest in a protest. And I would have hated you for that bumper sticker and hated your politics at the time and vice versa. Actually, I did march in a protest in El Yunque back in the 80s with a t-shirt that said, save our trees or similar. We would have agreed on little and 99 would have laughed at us both from behind her chicken nuggets. <laughs> That's her wet nuggets, by Ew. the way. I tried to you find said it, not me. I tried to find you a pave the rainforest bumper sticker, but they just don't make them anymore. Probably because it's just such a shitty thing to have. I know, but I thought ironically they would still exist. Me too. Because that kind of humor is very in right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm saving Maria for last because we've had some correspondence. Maria's okay which we uh, thank God Maria is okay after Fiona once again devastated the island of Puerto Rico. We're sending all of our love down to our island fuckers in Puerto Rico, We're sending our love to Maria in particular, just because uh, she is our, our representative from the great country and independent nation of Puerto Rico. We love you guys. We're thinking about you. We hope everything's coming back online and that you recover soon. We had a, and yes, agreed to all of that. Sorry, I was a little distracted. I was just checking my phone quickly to see if we got any. I like to check to make sure we didn't get any emails that are yep. topical. We just got one from your friend Inigo G about BlackRock. Inigo G. Should we should we just close out with it? Because it's you sure. know, topical. Inigo said, thanks for shedding more light on that company. I heard about them through various other economics podcasts. And I honestly don't remember which episodes in particular. They were mentioned as being a large, influential, and even ominous, but not particularly harmful. It's like they're strategically at the periphery while also being at the center of things. That's a great point. Kind of like a planned obfuscation. I can see why they invi invite conspiracy talks. Honestly, as evil as they sound, it's also kind of brilliant how they seem to work, which certainly means they need to be dismantled. Any org with that much cash in its coffers can only be bad for the people. On a tangential note, it makes me wonder if any ETFs exist that are actually positive, ethical, socially responsible, I mean, given any massive institution has the unchecked ability to manipulate a perception of them, what resources do we have to check the validity of their claims? Oh, boy. I'm, I'm glad we got this. So please, if you get a chance, go check out the it's the most recent episode of Newsbeat, right? Yes. That is on ESGs and the companies that sell their bullshit to the public, like Edelman, one of the largest public relation firms in the country. It's a very, very, very good episode, I have to say. It is a, I mean, they're all wonderful. They're all brilliant. But the sources that they got in that episode uh, knocked my socks off. And it's, I think it's only like 34, 35 minutes or something like that. It's a, it's a really quick, but very, very sharp take on ESGs. ETFs, ESGs, SRI, all of this stuff, I think, deserves another full unfucking we may even, through Manny, invite a collaboration with the Newsbeat folks as well, uh, because there's another angle that I want to take with it. I think it's super important, especially now that it's thrust back into the news. So fucking ironic that you've got Republicans hating ESG for being woke, but ESG almost across the board is fucking bullshit at the institutional level. And we need to draw some distinctions. What I'm curious about teasing out is exactly what Inigo was talking about here, which is, are there any direct investments, any ETFs, any mutual funds, any hedge funds that have low thresholds for entry? I guess hedge funds would be a different story, but anything accessible by the public to build a portfolio, even at the smallest levels of companies that are actually doing really good. Because as we showed in our Conscious Capitalism episode, and as we reviewed in the BlackRock episode, most of these 
ETFs that the Republicans are see the Republicans are just making hay with it because they, even though they know it's bullshit too like if you look at the top 10 holdings ESG holdings of Vanguard and BlackRock you still have Johnson and Johnson Apple Google Amazon companies that are doing really horrible things to the world but have a sustainability initiative to whitewash what they're actually doing into the world if you listen to the Newsbeat episode, it's going to clarify a lot of that stuff. I would like to go one step further to figure out if there are accessible investment strategies that do the real vetting and the real work in the sustainable field, because it's a very difficult thing to nail down. What you have to understand, I think, about investing in a socially responsible manner is that there are very few big investment-worthy public companies that are really good across the board. We've even talked about Patagonia before. And I spoke about Patagonia a long, long time ago, as a matter of fact, probably in response to our Conscious Capitalism episode. And we were talking about how even a company like Patagonia, with and they do this with a full recognition that they are in the process of being the best company they can possibly be, are also subtracting from the planet. They're doing harm to the planet because harm comes when you manufacture anything. Can they overcome it directly by directly investing into sustainable initiatives and having the best practices that they possibly can? And it's like the do the least harm possible. It is impossible to do something without having some sort of negative benefit. If you drive your car from here to the mall, from here to work, whatever it is, you're doing harm to the planet. If you're buying a car in the first place, you're doing harm to the planet. So there's nobody in this world outside of probably somebody sitting in the middle of the Amazon that's just living purely as humans lived millennia ago, right? There's probably nobody on this planet that is doing something that actively contributes in a positive way to the planet. We're all extracting well, no. something. I, I just think, just re you said no one is doing anything that contributes to the planet, which isn't true. It's just that nobody's not doing something that harms the planet. Correct. Yeah. Thank you. So magnify that as a public company to get to be that size. It's just it's just an order of magnitude bigger in terms of the impact and the influence that you're having on the natural world. The difference and the distinction that I want to draw when we do these analyses is the companies that are purchasing carbon offsets and not changing anything about their practices are claiming that they are that they fit the ESG mold. That's wrong. That's the Amazons, the J&Js, the Googles. That That's wrongheaded, right? But that's the majority of ESG investments. The companies that are actually trying to minimize their, their impact on the environment and then where they see that they can't and stay in business and be profitable are actually contributing to causes that help further the progress. Maybe it's planting trees. Maybe it's you know, investing in things that are going to be new technologies. Maybe it's investing in renewable energy, whatever it is. Those are the companies that are doing the hard work. We have to figure out if those investments actually exist or if it's on paper. Mm -hmm. It's not as easy to figure out as you might think. I don't, I don't know who thinks that's easy. <laughs> True. Good point. Did you see the Bloomberg article that was making the rounds Which about one? Patagonia? No. Basically, Bloomberg wrote this piece sort of implying he did what he did to avoid having to pay taxes on selling the company. Oh, he addressed that. He yeah. addressed that too. But yeah. they, it was, it just, it was Why a would they do, chock would full. Because it's Bloomberg. So interesting. Because he's calling out Bloomberg. 
and all other rich fucking people who aren't doing what he's doing by, you know, it's like it's the it's the uh, the star student making everyone look bad. Yeah. Because he's doing what's right. Yeah. I mean, and he's it's also pretty financially sound and a good decision. I mean, whatever. I don't we don't need to, you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So it was just like this big fucking information or disinformation crapshoot. Got some of the facts wrong about the 501c4 and the 501c3 and all the distinctions and the designations. And it just like it really boiled it down to he's only doing this for money. And it's sort of like even if that's true, it's better than what you're doing. (laughs) You know, even if he was only doing it for money or for whatever reason or to save money. They wound up structuring in a a way that it, it was tax neutral. Yeah, but he got no tax benefit from it in the way that he structured it. Because 501c4s, they're not your tax donations aren't you can't write them off. Correct. Yeah. So huh. there's um a I don't I wouldn't call him an influencer, but let's for lack of a better word named Ben Sheehan or Sheehan. Um, it's at Ben Sheehan S H E H A N. He's an author. He wrote a book called like what is what the fuck does our constitution actually say? And there's uh-huh. there's one there's like one for adults and there's a kids version too, which I think is great. And um, I follow him on the UNFTR account. So if you like look through our followers, you can find him. But he posted a really good breakdown of like, it doesn't, it doesn't have alt text. So it's kind of annoying. So I will call out the inaccessibility of the post. But if you saw that post because it was trending on Twitter and LinkedIn and, you know, because all the business, you know, the LinkedIn influencers are like, oh, you know how they are. So it got a lot of traction for and it made this really good thing that happened in the corporate world seem just out of like pure greed, which isn't the case, but even if it was, it wouldn't matter. But yeah. What's interesting about Bloomberg as a figure is that Bloomberg Foundation does some really unbelievable work. Even the Clinton Foundation does great work. I See, I would argue that it doesn't. And I did argue that well, it doesn't. It In it isolated has, incidents, it funds it the funding and grants. It, so the, you don't think so? doesn't give any grants out. Remember? Then what is... Then what is this? The Clinton Foundation, they'll 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 what? refer you. Then what did and I They'll read? call you. They'll bless you as an organization, but they don't give direct grants. Remember, but the I only don't... grant that they gave out that year was was basically to George Bush's foundation. Yeah, but I read for someone who is Bloomberg's foundation is interesting because they'll go into like rural African markets and put in stoplights and stop signs. Like they'll go, they'll do years of research, figure out what the biggest issues are and then try to solve it with a, a very logical, like they'll go to the, an area like that and they'll, they'll determine that, yes, the disease and famine and water and access and all this kind of stuff is a huge, huge problem, but traffic fatalities are actually the number one cause of death. Okay, so let's, let's handle that because we actually do have that ability. So they do a lot of that work that people don't see because I've looked into Bloomberg Foundation before and they have, they have they have great leadership and they give a ton of money away to that type of safety infrastructure and it's not sexy and it's not cool. He gives a fuck ton of money away as well and at the same time is such a cash machine and an ATM with Bloomberg that he's always accumulating way more wealth than he's ever going to give away and like and you're right he would never ever deign to do something on the magnitude of what, of what you know, Shinar just did. At the same time, I will frequently reference Bloomberg's coverage on environmental issues from a business perspective because they are very activist in mm-hmm. their approach and they're very forward about that. And so that's why I'm surprised that that article was the way it was. 
Yeah. And it might be a reflection of like, you're right. He shamed the rest of the class of billionaires in, in doing so. It's just like anything. Any any journalist writing a piece, when you publish that piece, it's going to represent your whole organization. Yeah. So when all that stuff was going on at the Times and mm. continues to kind of go on, like all that fuckery, but there's so many great journalists who work there and their names get sullied. So yeah, there might be some really great ESG reporting going on at Bloomberg, but some fucking capitalist douchebag wrote this one, right. got through, That's right. and here we are and we're shitting on Bloomberg, which I mean, fine, but you know what I mean. So uh, just to, I looked up, the only reason I thought an organization who we've actually speak, spoken about before, the one we talked about who went into parts of India and mm-hmm. talked to like women there. I thought that they received a grant, but I, it was me misreading. They just got to present at the fucking initiative. That's right. That's, so, and that's how they roll. That, yeah. I, so, a so that's of mine, me only doing a headline read. So I apologize. No, no, no. A friend of mine had an amazing small not-for-profit that did very specific work in Africa years ago. And they actually wound up moving there and then closing the foundation because they just decided to fucking just do this and dedicate their amazing people. But they, I remember when they, the first time I'd ever heard of the Clinton Global Initiative and Foundation was when they were brought into the fold. It was a huge deal for them because they were so small, but you, you couldn't deny the work that they were doing. And I remember asking them, I was like, holy shit, you got funded by the Clintons? They're like, oh no, they don't give money out. And it was my very first run-in with, I was like, wait, but they raise a lot of money. What do you mean that? They're like, no, but if they bless you, it means you can go out with that badge of honor and raise a lot of money it's on their Oprah's name. Oprah's Book of the Month Club. It's Oprah's Book of the Month Club. That's exactly what it is. It's and and look, do they draw attention and awareness to some critical issues? Yes. Have they succeeded in the past in small ways that they then extrapolated in other ways that did not work? Yes. And my biggest problem with all of that is they do consume a lot of attention and money mm-hmm. and they continue to take money off the street and attention off the street and divert it to areas that we absolutely empirically know do not fucking work. And that's that's the shame of the Clinton yeah. Foundation. It's funny that even after all of that, I can read something and like be like, oh, look. And right? then my yeah. brain is just like, it erases it. Yeah. it's And it's like how I feel about the 90s in general, like just revisiting the, the, that period in time, just being like, I- how I'm talking about I, today. <laughs> I know, but how can I get so much fucking wrong about that period? And, I, and, it, and it was my, that's like prime paying attention time period for me, you know? Because you were, it wouldn't even be fair because anything you thought then, like it wasn't wrong to you then. It wasn't. It, well, it's your generation to Obama. Sure. Right? I don't know. It's hard. I guess coming from the perspective of like not being politically engaged in the same way, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to like say yes, because you were actively politically engaged, just on the wrong side, in our opinion. Yes. IMHO. IMHO. (laughs) Yeah. Obama spoke at a conference recently, and I caught like a clip of it online. I saw it. People were talking about it on Reddit. And he, I mean, he's all over the place. He's like fucking just shilling himself. I mean, always. But so he- 225, my man will show up. (laughs) Bing, bang, boom. Pocket that money. He sounded so old and- haggard and like couldn't he couldn't string a sentence together he couldn't so i was eavesdropping on that when you were listening to it in the office and and my impression was he's even more guarded now and so even if the words are right there 
He's slower in grasping them, and then he sees them, and he won't grab them. I don't know. He was openly talking about SEAL Team 6 and getting Bin Laden. Well, because that's his narrative. That's He owns that narrative. He can do that. But he was like- But he won't, he won't engage on the Trump stuff and call it by name. No, he did. Call it by name. He won't go for the jugular. He didn't say he Trump. He said like exactly. previous- pro- But like it was, I mean, I guess but it's you know, all subtext. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. it's all, he's still- He doesn't want to pull quote. He's still Barry, right? He's still just, just short that frustrating thing that we were waiting for as Democrats for eight years being like, just fucking slay him. You know, you've got the words. Just I, do it. And he I, won't. I don't know. Maybe I'm still under the, uh, you know, there's still the the sheen there. But I thought he was actually pretty candid about some of the stuff that I was like, why was he talking about bin Laden at like a fucking like, you know, tech conference? It was kind of weird. Uh, yeah. And I thought, I mean, he was he was all over the place talking about stuff. He was talking about the queen. He was talking about all this shit. I was I don't know. I thought he was kind of slightly unfiltered for him, but also not eloquent like he used to be. I mean, he always kind of stammered like, you know, he has like the uh, that people yep. mimic. But it was like exacerbated. And at one point he just blatantly like mispronounced something and he was like I'm 66 not as young as I used to be yeah and that's young buddy so <laughs> I don't know it's uh I unpopular opinion I was never a fan of his oratory ever ever I just I don't know just everybody oh the his such soaring rhetoric I'm mean, like it's probably very all, pedestrian all microaggressions it's like very people pedestrian. calling Cory Booker well-spoken and they're like oh my god you're only saying that <laughs> yeah. you know like it's probably there it's probably deep-seated microaggression and almost like overperformance of like wow a black man can speak Absolutely. I know that's awful and but that's what people fucking yeah. Think and say so. Yeah, I never. Our black I, president, he speaks and he's so eloquent. <laughs> and because people, you know, their fucking deep seated racism is like, well, he shouldn't sound like that because that's how you know. And I guess, I guess that's what stuck out to me about our other black presidential candidate in the '90s and the way that he spoke. Now I know he's classically trained in the Baptist school of ministry, and that is a training. Actually, teach you to tra- you know because one of my best friends is a Baptist minister, and he go- he went through that actual training of how to speak with that tr- type of cadence. He understands and the crescendos. I understand, right? And certain things that you repeat, and when you- I mean, it's just and it's beautiful and it's great to the ear. To me, that's soaring rhetoric that is unmistakably you know brilliant and beautiful. And there have been other uh, you know Clinton off the cuff was way better than Obama has ever would ever dream of being off the cuff as well. There have been people that are better at it. But I think we all have to agree that probably the best orator of our lifetime, I mean, the hands down, the best, is George W. Bush. All right, unfuckers, we will catch you on uh, the weekend. All good stuff coming. Uh, it's a little bit of a complicated episode, I'm not going to lie. Had some trouble stringing this one together only because, well, you'll see, this episode is filled with tension and it's about a subject that you don't give a lot of thought to so i'll just leave it at that i'm excited to bring it to you on the weekend i don't think we have anything else thank you for everybody who became a member donated funds to us thank you to everybody every newbie fucker that's joined the team and uh, remember if you want to be called out in the episode tell us who your sponsor is that brought you here make yourselves known give us a little message and we'll welcome all the newbie fuckers to the fold during our friend raiser And uh, make sure that you are following Summer Lee and Mandela Barnes 
that you are sending them a quick little message on social media and that you're sharing their social media widely and don't fall down the rabbit hole with the trolls. And yep. make sure to support our friends in Puerto Rico because God knows our government won't. That's true too. So maybe we can get a list of uh, places that'll, that are good organizations if we to donate. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks everybody. We'll see you on the weekend.